when we think of poverty in our own community, we often think of um, the, the gentleman that's pushing the, the grocery cart with all of his belongings um, and, and perhaps has a, an addiction alcohol problem. And, and, um, but the growing population of poverty in our own community are families. We have an awesome opportunity today with the Corona Norco Rescue Mission being launched. We've got a shelter facility that's been operating for about 20 years, hundreds of incredible volunteers that have put out their life to keep it going, and now we have an opportunity to take it to a whole new level. A level that brings not only beauty, passion, and energy to helping these lives of the least, the last, and the lost, but an opportunity for each of you to jump in and find your own joy in being able to minister to others. What can we do strategically and uh, intelligently to provide the kind of services that can break that cycle of, of homelessness uh, for their kids, for the next generation? Uh, that's where the greatest impact is. You know, yeah, we've got to meet the immediate needs but then we've got to think more long term, how do we solve this? How do we work with that family um, and the needs that they have to, to solve their situation with them? Not for them, but do it uh, in partnership with them. And as Christians, as believers, we're commanded to do so. Matthew 25 says when we are serving those in need, we're actually serving Christ. It's the right thing to do. The, church, the churches have stepped up and we need to continue to do so um, and to serve others and again to share God's love with them. Last night, we officially launched the Corona Norco Rescue Mission. I could not be more excited. And uh, uh, I want you to know that this church family, and because of you and your faithfulness, is a huge part of what's going on. Uh, what we're about to do, I can't take the time to share all the details with you, but it's incredible. I want you to know that, that, number one, it's doable. We can break the cycle of homelessness. We could, anybody who doesn't want to be homeless, we're going to be able to put a system in place to get them out and get them a job and get them a home. And by the way, what you need to understand is we're talking about families. A change that is immediate, it's a, it's a long process before we finally realize the dream, but we're on our way. But the first change I want to tell you about is this. You see this mat in front of you? Every night for the past year after year after year, little children have been laying on a cement floor on a mat like this. Guess what? Those days are gone. We're going to put those kids in beds. And we're going to make sure that doesn't happen anymore. And, man, I could not be more excited about where we're headed. So right now, I want you to know what we're doing is it's, it's, we're addressing a, an immediate change. And if you'd like to be a part of that tall at whole camp and a team of people are outside at a booth afterwards, you can go and find out how to get involved. We're uh, getting ready to do a long-term change, uh, which will literally go to a level you can't believe, uh, with uh, a, a village of hope being built in Corona. And we're uh, really getting close to believing that God's going to provide a way to, to get the land to do that and to do it. And, and all of this is done in partnership with Jim Palmer and the Orange County Rescue Mission. And get ready for this. We're gonna, I really believe we're going to do it all debt-free. Uh, we're just going to make it happen. So uh, uh, this is a, a long-term project. But 
the impact is going to be amazing. And, and to you think that you and I are going to be in a town where literally we're not going to see that kind of extreme poverty happen anymore. Uh, if anybody at least wants out, is a blessing. Uh, the other thing I want to tell you is this. I, I, I want you to know something happened about two weeks ago that uh, is such a blessing to others because of you. Uh, I was a meeting with a church, uh, uh, with um, a Christian Missionary Fellowship. They came to meet with me. Uh, Lisa Mitchison and our missions team, our global outreach team, has been working with them. And uh, uh, I don't know if you know that right now, because of Crossroads, over 200 children have been rescued from extreme poverty in, uh, in, in Nairobi, Kenya. Uh, we're going to talk more in October. We're going to take that number to 1,500. Uh, but, but we also are going to partner with Eastside Christian Church to eradicate extreme poverty from that slum and reach people for Christ in an amazing way. And by the way, the poverty in that slum is beyond hideous. Uh, to think that that's going on is just uh, it grieves our heart. And so we want to make an impact here, but we want to make an impact there. So anyway, they came to meet with me, and they, they were talking, and I could tell they were a little bit nervous, and they're like... Well, Chuck, we have an opportunity to purchase this uh, four acres of land. It'll cost us $100,000, and, and uh, if we could do it, that'll pave the way for these over at least 1,500 children to have medical care, to have education, to have meals, to have a place to be cleansed. To all these things can happen, and it's right on the edge of the slum, and, and we think this would just be a really good way to go. And, and I sat there, and I'm listening to them go, and I love these guys. And I look over at Lisa, and I said, well, is there a reason we can't do this? And Lisa said, no. And uh, I looked at them, and I go, okay, guys, if it's the right property, and you believe in it, it's done. And they're like, wait, what? And I said, it's done. Now, you ready for this? Now, don't miss this, Crossroads. I'm not going to ask you for a special offering, because we don't need to do it. Because of your faithfulness, we take 10% of our general fund, and we dedicate it to global outreach. And... It's a done deal. And if they like the land and we believe in them, and by the way, this July I'll be in Kenya with them, because of your faithfulness, thousands of children's needs are going to be met in the next few months, and, and it, we're just, it's done. And I just thank you because of your faithfulness to God. Let's pray for our offering time now. Father, I thank you for this church family, and I thank you for the way that they have come together, and we together holding hands and sharing in bonds of unity and love for you and commitment to you and your cause. God, we're going to see things happen in this city, and we're going to see things happen worldwide. And I pray, oh Lord God, that you would continue to allow us to be used by you to make a difference. And I know Jesus. I know it blesses you that we do this. But I also know there isn't a member of the Crossroads family that will stand before you on Judgment Day. And you're there, you're not going to, to be rewarded and cared and loved on by you because you're going to look them in the eye and say, I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was in prison, and you visited me. And we're going to look and say, Lord, when? And he's going to say, Lord, you're going to look at us and say, because Crossroads family, you cared. You did it. You, you were faithful. And Lord, I pray that what we've begun to do with you would go to a wider level, a more incredible level. I thank you for what can happen. And uh, in Jesus' name, we pray this. Amen. Um, 
If you can't tell, I'm really excited we're getting to do these kinds of things together. Hey, uh, let me give you some heads up before we move on today. Uh, next week is Father's Day, and uh, we are going to honor dads in a big way here. If you've not been a part of what we do, we call it Mandate, because it's a day for men. Uh, all throughout our campus, there'll be events for you to take part in. Uh, by the way, we're getting ready. We've already graded the land. We're going to have a mud track out there, and guys, you're going to be able to go four-wheeling, and we just found out. I am excited about this. You're going to have a Hummer two, you can drive through the mud out there and have a blast. So get your wife and show her you can take it, you know, and, uh, and, and bring your kids and it's going to be a blast. I think we're going to have knife throwing and axe throwing and maybe chainsaw throw. I don't know. And uh, uh, if you look in your bulletin, there's a map of all the events we're going to have. Uh, there'll be food available for purchase, by the way. But uh, uh, it's just going to be a great day. So come to church, get ready to have fun out there and enjoy it as a family. Stay as long as you want. It's just going to be a great day. And so follow Father's Day. By the way, it's a great day to bring friends to. Uh, just grab some friends that say, come and enjoy the day. Uh, it ought to be incredible. And I don't even think there'll be a Laker game because the Lakers are going to put the Celtics away this week. Um, so, yes. Hey, the other thing, VBS is coming. And uh, VBS is uh, one of the things we, we uh, get, a, get a chance to minister to our own children, but to reach out to thousands of children. Uh, usually about double the number of kids we minister to end up showing up. So we need volunteers. We need you to be involved. Uh, it, it, I promise you it's a blessing to do. Uh, this year's VBS is even going to be better than last year. I'm watching it happen, and last year was incredible. So plan to be a part of that, and uh, we, we could not be more excited about it. Now, um, you got to hear today already one of our dearest friends, uh, Ryan Bierman, uh, uh, has been a part of uh, uh, Tim and Roberts and I and a bunch of the rest of us, our lives for years. And uh, I'll never forget when uh, Ryan came out to CCV a while back and I was the senior pastor. And there was a song that almost all of you have heard called Everything by Lighthouse. But he brought it as a worship song. And uh, it became one of my favorite songs. I, I, I just to sing to God. And, and you, again, I know it's pretty well known. Uh, but, but there's a line in that song that I'll just, it just gets me like, oh man, I feel like the Holy Spirit. And, uh, and, and it's this, how could I stand here with you and not be moved by you? God, how could I stand in your presence? My Abba Father, how could I be near you? And in the presence of the living Holy God, the power of God, and not be moved to the depth of my being. And, and whenever I sing that, oh, and there are lots of times, there's times when I've been down and like all of us and Man, I've made sure and find that song, and I just lift it up to God, and it lifts my spirit. Well, when Tim told me that he and the team were going to be away and Ryan was going to be here, I said, whoa. I said, then have Ryan. We want him to come and share that song with us. And it's the whole idea that everything about who we are, everything uh, about our lives, it's that level four mentality, no holding back. Lord, your kingdom come, your will be done in my life, in this city, in my family, on earth as it is in heaven. Father, not my will, but you be, yours be done. Why? Because everything, everything's yours. Let's pray. Father, I pray that we would just literally have the attitude that blesses you, that opens us up to blessing, that causes us to live with you. And Father, I pray for me and every single one of us here that, Lord, that we would be 100% totally dedicated to you, all in that level four, no holding back. So, Lord, today, may we just be stirred. May we be moved by you. May we be yours and may everything within us and everything about us be dedicated to you in Jesus' name. Amen.
Could it be any better than this? You know what? That's the whole idea of what Jesus wants you to live a life like. It really is. Now, by the way, if you're not in your Bibles in Matthew chapter 6, and if you could, also grab Deuteronomy 15. Uh, you're going to want to see these. But, but here's the point. God's great desire is not that life would always be easy, because that isn't the best life. But his ideal for you, his ideal for you is that overall, you would be a happy person. That, that he loves you so much, he cares about you so much, he desires that for you. That's what Jesus wants. And, and when we're living life with the Lord the way we should, even in the tough times, when we start realizing God's presence, we ought to go, how could it be any better than this? And if that does not describe your life, then I want to promise you something. You're not with God where he wants you to be in this moment. It's not that God doesn't love you, and I'm not even saying you don't love God. I'm saying you got to ask yourself, are you in total alignment with him? Uh, because the love of God is unconditional. His blessings are conditional. Uh, uh, the, the idea of even the Beatitudes is put in a Greek tense that's conditional. Blessed are the poor in spirit. You've got to be poor in spirit to be blessed. And so those eight blessings that pronounce by having the right attitude, that blessing's conditioned on the attitude. It's conditioned, Jesus said, on obeying his word. He says in the Sermon on the Mount, don't fear from even the smallest jot or the smallest tittle. Now grab this. The Lord is saying, if you and I want to live a life that's incredible, you can't veer off from even the smallest, smallest calling of God. You've got to be careful, and we're going to see this in a moment, to obey everything he says. And then Jesus said, and that means you've got to put away some things from your life, lust and anger and, and, and harming those in relational settings with you. Don't do that. Don't be that kind of person. Why? You'll never be happy. And then the Lord in Sermon on the Mount said, but you need to come to God with integrity. You need to come in reality, authentically. And don't try to just come and put on a show. In other words, don't think that, you know, because you show up at church, well, okay, God's got to bless me. You got to come with the right heart. Don't think because even you pray, just throw out words to God. If it's not a heartfelt prayer, the Lord says that's not going to work. And then we saw last week, he said, when you pray, come to your dad and come to him with respect and come to him, the Lord's prayer teaches us, with great concern for him. And say these words and mean them. Your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, I'm going to ask you to think about this again. We talked about it last week. Are you and I committed to saying to God and really meaning it, I want your kingdom and your will right now in my life on earth just like it is in heaven? In other words, I am careful, again, to literally hold to every single thing you tell me to do. I am not going to not ever, ever veer from what you call for. I will do anything you ask, Lord. Your kingdom come, your will be done. In my life, in my family, in my job, in my friendships, in my church. Uh, uh, and Lord, I just pray it happens in our community, and we really have a passion for that. Now, we're going to talk more at the end about this, but that's what a, we call uh, a, a kind of term that we use around here called level four. A person who's a level four person says to God, I will not hold back. It's just like Jesus prayed, Father, not my will be done, but your will be done. I believe that with all my heart. And when you do that, it's the greatest life you could ever live. There's nothing better. I, I want to pry. There's, and then you stand and go, how could it ever be? And Lord, I can't believe. And even in the tough times, it couldn't be better. That's what God has for you and he wants for you. Uh, Ronald Reagan um, 
Actually, I, I heard uh, uh, President Reagan speak uh, at Mile Square Park in uh, Fountain Valley. And, and I'll never forget that moment. I don't know if you're a Ronald Reagan fan. I just happen to be. And if you're not, then that's okay. But I'll tell you what. He got up and he said, I want to share my favorite joke with you. You know what? I'm going to tell you Ronald Reagan's favorite joke. And what it is, there was a, a pastor who came to a town, and he was a young guy, and he was very, very passionate and excited, and he wanted to see change happen, and he found out that, that the hospital needed a children's wing on it. And so he talked to some community leaders, and he said, why can't we have this children's wing for the hospital? And they said, well, it just comes down to money. The need is there. He said, well, let's get together and raise it. So he had got a group of people together, and, and they decided they would ask different churches to be involved and different organizations to be involved. And then, of course, they needed to go to key individuals. And, and he knew, just like everybody did, who the wealthiest man in town is. And he said, well, that guy ought to be good for a lot of money. And all oh, the room went silent. And uh, he said, what's wrong? And they, they said, he never gives a penny. I don't know how many things we've been involved. He's not, this guy, won't, he, he won't give a penny. Well, that pastor thought, I'll make my name by getting him to make a big contribution. So what happened is he hounded the guy and hounded the guy for an appointment. He did everything he could. Finally, he just wore him down. And so this very wealthy man said, all right, you come to my office on this particular time and I'll be there. And so what happened is he walked up and his secretary walked up to, to the pastor and said, you know what? He's going to give you five minutes. Don't try to take a minute more. And the door opened, and he walked in and, and went to shake his hand. The guy wouldn't even shake hands. He said, all right, I'm tired of you wearing me out. I'm tired of you bothering me. You got five minutes. Five minutes is up. You're out the door. And so the pastor thought, okay, I got to use word economy. And he looked at him. He said, I want to tell you something. I've done my research about you. I know you're the wealthiest man in this town. I know that you have so much money that you can't even count it. I know you've had any named off seven businesses you own and how much land you own. And I want to tell you something else. I know you don't have any children. And I know you don't have any debt. So I want to say something to you. I also know that the community went to raise money for this, and you didn't give a penny. And they went to raise money for this, and you didn't give a penny. And now there's a need of children in this community. And I'm going to tell you something. It would be the right thing to do, after everything I know about you, for you to step up and give to this. The wealthy man looked at him and shook his head. said, so you think you know all about me, huh? The pastor said, yeah. He said, well, did you know my mom is the one who helped start that area of the hospital for the children? And he goes, no, I didn't know that. He said, did you know she went down there almost every day ministering to those kids, caring for those kids, watching over them? He goes, no, I didn't know that. He said, did you know my mom helped in the homeless shelter here in town? And she helped cook meals for them. And she went and cared for them. He goes, well, no. And he said, well, did you know that when my father died, he didn't have any money. He left my mother nothing. And she almost lost her home. And she barely was able to make it. Did you know that? And the guy goes, no, I didn't know that. And the wealthy man said, well, if I didn't give her a penny, I'm not giving you one either. <laughs> hey, uh, we're about to talk about that. Are we literally got hearts after God? There's an incredible promise in Deuteronomy 15, if you're there. Look down at verse 4, and it, it goes unclaimed. It says, however... There will be no poor among you. Did you hear that? However, to the children of Israel, there will be no poor among you, since the Lord will surely bless you in the land which the Lord your God is giving you as an inheritance to possess. He said, I want to tell you, I'm going to make sure none of you are poor. All of you are blessed. He said, I'm about to unleash it on you. But look at verse 5. If. There's an if. There's a condition to the blessing. If only you listen obediently to the voice of the Lord your God 
to observe carefully all this commandment which I am commanding you today. For the Lord your God will bless you as he has promised you. You will lend to many nations, but you will not borrow. You will rule over many nations, but they will not rule over you. Now, I want to tell you that's sad. This is a sad thing because this promise was given by God. I, I want to ask you this. Do you think God meant it? Do you think God would have done it? But not once did they follow any of the things that he called for them to do, especially in the idea of giving to him. Uh, they didn't have this section's about the Sabbath giving, the Sabbath rest of the land, uh, taking care and forgiving debts, and they didn't take them up on it and because they were afraid to, and they were hanging on rather than trusting God. And so the bottom line is, is they never, ever inherited this amazing blessing. And, and I don't know if you look at that and go, this is just sad because God would have done it for them. I, I don't know if you're aware of this. Are you ready? Did you know, according to the Bible, that, that God sees it as a bad thing, a cursed thing, when you and I ever have to borrow, period. Did you know that God has actually planned a life for you, if you and I would live it, where we actually get to a place we would never borrow, we would only lend? The borrower is the slave of the lender. God wants you set free. And, 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 I, you know, and a lot of you, if you're really listening, go, well, wait, how could I ever live a life like that? Well, you could. I could. Now, am I right now? No, because I'm under a curse because I haven't listened to God like I should have from my early days. But I want to get there. One reason we offer Financial Peace University, believe it or not, I don't know if you're aware, there actually are people in this society who actually live an incredible life because they owe nothing. You might say, well, they don't have anything. I just bumped into another guy a, a, a few days ago, and you know what? He owns his home outright. He owns his cars outright. He, he, he lends to people in times of need, and, and, and he just never has a care about that. You are supposed to live that way. That's how God wants you. And just think how, literally, this word, happy you would be if you would honor God and live your life according to his wisdom. And by the way, it's a very spiritual issue. That's why in the Sermon on the Mount, when we get to the section where Jesus talks about money, where Jesus talks about your money and my money, that he's talking to us because he doesn't want you to live a life of worry. We'll get to that next week. But he says, if you're going to really pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, are you going to really do it? Jesus in Matthew 6 verse 19 says this, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, your heart will be also. According to Jesus, the true measure of how sold out you are for God is what do you do with your funds and how you use them. Do you give to God first? Do you obey his commandments when it comes to this? Do you seek to live on less than what you make and actually save money, which we're not going to get into today, but in the fall I want to get into you. That's God's economy, that you and I would do that. Do we give to others? Is that the attitude we have? And don't miss that Jesus said it's a true measure of your heart and my heart. You and I, I could say, oh, I love God. Oh, I, I, oh. And he's looking to say, are you careful to obey all my commandments? Are you really going to be totally committed to me? And if you are, God says, I'm going to bless you. And that's his great desire for you to do it. So what does Jesus say? He says, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth. We're so quick to hang on to everything just for us. And usually when we do that, we find we have nothing. We find that we're always going, I, I need more, I need more, I need more. And, and we live that kind of life because we're trying for treasure on earth. And he says, don't live that way. 
Don't live that way. And by the way, the whole idea isn't that you can't have things. It's that you, tre- and that you and I, we treasure them too much. We hang on too much. We're kind of like the, the very wealthy man who all his life had just lived for money and made money. It caused divorce in his home. It caused him to be uh, uh, disassociated from his children. And now he's about to die. And he looks and the only thing he has is money. And he thought, you know, I hear that old saying, you can't take it with you. I got to find a way to take it with me. And so, you know, what happened is, is even though, you know, he was, he was a Christian, believe it or not, uh, not living totally for God, but at least the grace of God was going to cover him. So what he did is he took all of his money and, and he turned it into gold. Well, he ended up with so much gold, he didn't know what to do with it. So then he packed it in two suitcases and had as much gold as he could put in two suitcases. And he said, bury it with me. And the idea is when the rapture happened, he'd grab the suitcases and bring them. Well, the rapture happens and believe it or not, he grabs the suitcases and they go with him. And he's caught up into heaven and he's standing in front of the gates of heaven and he walks up and Jesus is standing there and Peter's standing there and he's got these two suitcases and they look at him and go, what's that? And he goes, I brought them with me. You said I can't bring them with me. I want to bring it with me. And Jesus knew what it was, but Peter goes, what's in it? And the guy goes, look, and he opens it up and Peter looks at it and goes, pavement. Why'd you bring pavement? You know, uh, for those of you who don't get it, the streets of gold. Anyway, uh, but, but you know what? How many things are we hanging on to that in the end we think, oh, we have to. It's so valuable. And the Lord says, no, you're, you're treasuring the wrong thing. What do you treasure? What do I treasure? And do we invest our treasure with God? And he says, I don't want you to store up treasure on earth. And then he says, store up treasure in heaven. Store up treasure in heaven. We're going to see in a minute. Everybody who listens to this, your name is actually written in heaven in a book of remembrance. There's a book of remembrance in heaven. There's the book of life, but there's a book of remembrance where God says, I love what you did so much. I want it written down for all eternity. God himself is going to write your name and write your attitude. Now, now that's actually very, very literal, that God's going to keep this remembrance of you. And he says, that's for those people who store up treasure in heaven, who are investing in eternal things. And that's what God wants us to do. Now, why? Well, let me tell you something. It increases your love and it increases your faith in God when you do it. Now, don't miss this. When you and I truly invest our treasure in God, it increases our love and it increases our faith in him. Now, it increases our faith because we're being obedient. By the way, it's not that the Bible's not clear we're supposed to do this. Oh, and the Bible's so clear we're supposed to do it. It just goes ignored. Just like the promise was so clear to the children of Israel. Hey, I will make sure you're so taken care of that everybody will look at you and call you blessed. And they never got it. Why? They just didn't do it. And God says, I want you to do it. I want you to trust me. And so look at, if you have your Bibles, Luke chapter 17. If, by the way, in the notes, you can get ahead and, and turn there and be ready. But look at Luke 17, verse 5. The apostle said to him, increase our faith. Increase. Now, now go ahead and turn there. They said, we want to have greater faith. And, what's, and, and Jesus is going to tell you and me and tell them, how you can have a greater faith. Do you want to have more faith tomorrow than you have right now? Do you want to have a growing faith? Do you want to have a faith so strong that no matter how life hits you, you won't fold and, and, and you'll conquer? Well, you know, then you need to have a, a faith that increases. Now, how does it increase? Look what it says. They say in verse 5, increase our faith. Verse 6, and the Lord said, if you had faith like a mustard seed, you would say to the mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea, and it would obey you. Which of you, though? Here's the thing. Which of you having a slave plowing or tending sheep will say to him when he comes in from the field, 
Come immediately and sit down and eat. Uh, by the way, think about that. If a slave's doing work for you, when they come in, if you're the master, you don't go, oh, you did such a good job today. Come on, let me serve you. No, you don't do that to a slave. And everybody back then would have known that. That would have been like, nobody does that. But notice what he says in verse 8. But will he not say to him, prepare me something to eat and properly clothe yourself and serve me while I eat and drink. And afterward, you may eat and drink. He does not thank the slave because he did these things which were commanded, does he? So you too, you too, when you do all these things which are commanded you, say we are unworthy slaves, we have done only that which we should have done. By the way, that's exactly the formula of the Lord's Prayer. You come to your dad, you come in respect to him, you come and say, I'm concerned more about what you want than what I want. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And then the next thing you're allowed to say is give us this day our daily bread. And notice what Jesus said. He said, you make sure you're serving God and you're putting him first and you're obeying all that he commands you to do and your faith will increase and then the blessings will flow in your life. Why are so many people who are Christians who have made a, a, a supposed commitment to God. And by the way, I'm not saying you're not a Christian. I'm just saying you're not living the kind of life God wants you to. Why? Because we're not saying to God, whatever you say for me to do, I'll do. I'm going to be careful to do all. I'm not going to hold back in anyway. And Jesus says, when you do that, your faith increases. And then one of the things he calls for us to do is store up treasure in heaven. And the more you do that, the more your faith increases. And by the way, if you don't do that, it, it's going to harm you. It's going to hurt you. And that's one thing God doesn't want to have happen. By the way, it happens, period. My wife, Pam, I love my wife so much. Oh, I love my wife. I mean, there's anybody here that doesn't know that. Matter of fact, uh, I'll just tell you, before I came out here, I looked at her and I thought, oh, she, and by the way, she looks hot today. And um, I said, hey, hey, how do I look? And she made sure I'm okay. And, uh, and I said, do I look like a guy you'd want to kiss? And she goes, stop your mic. They can listen in. <laughs> Poor guys are back there going, ah, you know, and uh, but you know what is, is I love her. And, and if, if you could turn on a mic, you'd see it. Uh, uh, and the bottom line is I, I, I love to give her things. I actually think about it. Yeah, and so, you know, we're on the, the Ramsey system, so we save up money, you know, and, and I've got an area of my life that I put money away just to get Pam stuff. And, and she isn't materialistic, but when I know what she wants and I buy it and I walk up and I, I, I lay, and she's like, oh, and the more I invest in loving her, the more I invest in giving her gifts, gift giving, if you know about the five love languages, one of the five, not, it's not everything about this, but it is one of the five, give, and the more I give to her, the more my love grows for her. That's why sometimes when I see a couple and their marriage is struggling, and, and I know I'm not the best counselor, but I say, you know what you need to start doing? Start giving to the other person. And start not care what you get back. Just start investing yourself in them emotionally, affectionately, and, and get them things, and, and see what happens. Because it causes your faith to grow. By the way, think about this. That's why when God said, do you really love me? To the children of Israel, he said that I want you to have five different kinds of offerings, gifts you bring to me. That they represent, and I want you to periodically do that. God says, this is what blesses me. And then he says, I want you to, to give a tithe to me, the first 10%. And I want you to give offerings above that. As I bless you, you just remember it came from me. And, you, and, and God couldn't be clearer that he tells us to do that. And Jesus said, do you really want to have this amazing life with God? Then store up treasure in heaven. Invest in God. Be that kind of person. It will change your life. That's why in Proverbs 3, verse 5, it says this. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways. You notice this word all keeps coming up. 
In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your body and refreshment to your bones. You're going to find an invigoration. You're going to say, how could it be better than this? But notice the next verse. Honor the Lord from your wealth and from the first of all your produce. Now, now did you hear that? Honor the Lord from your wealth. That's called the offering. As you and I look at our life and say, God, you have blessed me. And the reason I have what I have is because of you. So I'm going to give you an extra gift beyond the tithe. So he says, honor the Lord from your wealth. When you look at how God's blessed you, you at periodic times make special gifts to him and not instead of and from the first of all your produce is the first 10% to God. That's everybody reading this who was Jewish knew that's what this meant. That whenever I get a dollar in, I give 10 cents to God. If I get 100 in, I give $10 to God. If I get 1,000, I give $100. I just do that. That's just what we do. Now, by the way, are we going to obey all his commandments? Are we going to do it? And, and some of you might go, oh, it's tithing New Testament. Oh, it's New Testament. It's there. It's just the heart of God. By the way, uh, uh, Proverbs, a lot of people go, oh, that's Old Testament. Proverbs is not Old Testament. Proverbs is the wisdom of God for all days and all times and all cultures. And it's right here in Proverbs. Are we going to do it? Uh, uh, a lot of people won't. If you have your Bibles and you're following the notes, Malachi chapter 3. Uh, uh, a lot of people won't. Um, the children of Israel had not obeyed God from that promise that was given them years and years before. There have poor among them. They've been devastated. They're, they owe so much as a nation. They're nationally indebted. They, they find their lives almost literally always on the line. They find their economy crumbling. And they go. They go to Malachi. And they say, why is God not answering our prayer? Have you ever asked that question? God, why are you not answering my prayer? And God tells Malachi what to tell him. And he says this in Malachi chapter 3, verse 8. Will a man rob God? You want me to answer your prayer? Will a man rob God? Yet you're robbing me. And you say, but how have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. Now, I, I shared this a year ago, but, but I want to say this again. Whenever anybody steals from you, it breaks your heart. But when it's your children who steal from you, it's devastating. Uh, if... Uh, if your kids, if you turning, you stole from me and it's your kids. And God looks at you as a child and says, Are, you're stealing from me if you're not giving to him. The years of my Christian walk, I wasn't given to God. God looked at me and said, Chuck, I love you, but you're robbing me. Why would you not trust me? Why would you not give to me what I've told you to do? It's mine. And give to me. And, and, and you know what? God says, you're robbing me. And then it says in verse 9, you're cursed with a curse for you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. Verse 10, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, which was back then the tabernacle. Today, that becomes the church. So that there may be food in my house and test me now in this, says the Lord, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you a blessing until it overflows. And then I will rebuke the devourer for you so that it will not destroy the fruit of the ground, nor will your vine cast fields its, uh, cast, uh, in the field its grapes. Did you see that? He said, if you do what I tell you to do, I will rebuke the devourer. If you don't do it, you're going to find that you're under a curse and everything keeps disappearing and you never have enough. And he said, but if you do this, you're going to say, God, you keep doing things in my life I can't understand. This is incredible. And he says, why won't you come live this way? Verse 12, all the nations will call you blessed and you shall be called delightful on the land. Now remember back in Deuteronomy 15, he said, if you do what I'm telling you to do, everyone's going to look and go, you're blessed. And he's saying to you, he's saying to me, if we would do this for him now, people will look at you and call you blessed. All of you who've been in Dave Ramsey, don't we call Dave Ramsey blessed? 
I, I mean, why? He's doing biblical principles. And by the way, here's what's exciting. The people listened. Uh, the people listened. And they said, we'll do it. We'll do it. And if you look down at verse 16, it says, Then those who feared the Lord spoke to one another. And the Lord gave attention and heard it. And a book of remembrance was written before him for those who fear the Lord and esteem his name. I want to ask this question for me. Is my name in the book of remembrance? Am I somebody, when God tells me to do something, I say, your will be done on earth. It's in my life. I'll do it. Your kingdom come. Your, I'm gonna, not my will. I'm doing it, Lord. And, and God says, if you live that way, Chuck, man, I, I know you fear me and you revere me. You're, I'm going to write it down. Is your name in that book? Are you someone who carefully obeys all that God, in every area? And then he says this. They will be mine, says the Lord. On the day I prepare my own possession, I will spare them as a man spares his own son who serves him. So you will again distinguish between the righteous and the wicked and between the one who serves God and the one who does not serve him. And I hope you're going to say, man, that's who you are. That's me. I'm somebody, if God says to do it, I just do it. No holding back. No holding back. And, And that's just what I would do. And Jesus said, are you storing up treasure in heaven? In Matthew 6, 22, he says, you got to have the right eye on it, though, a right perspective. And I know some of you right now are going, oh, man, you know, I knew that somewhere the church would want to talk about my money, you know. And, and let me just be as clear as I can. We're just preaching through Scripture, and God is talking about this because he knows our hearts. And, and then he also knows what we, what, we, what we value. And that's why the next line, this still talks about giving to God. Matthew 6, 22 says, the eye is the lamp of the body. So then if your eye is clear, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light that is in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? Now, what is Jesus saying here? He says, I want you not to store up treasure on earth, but treasure in heaven, because where your treasure is, your heart is also. And he goes, but you know what? If your eye is a good eye, you'll see this is a good thing. If your eye is full of light, everything about this, oh, yes, God, I get to do this. But if your eye is bad, you're going to go, oh, I can't believe this. They want mine. They want mine. See, how you see things is, is important. Years ago, there was a commercial on TV, and years and years ago, and what it was is a mom and dad are laying in bed, and the room's all dark, and they're sleeping in probably like on a Saturday, and all of a sudden, the door opens, and in walks this little boy who can barely walk, and he's in these kind of furry, feetsy pajamas, and he looks in, and he sees his dad there, and he gets overjoyed, and he runs over, and he grabs the curtains, and he throws them open, and light fills the room, and the, the, the father, like, he's all bothered by the light, and the little boy leaps upon his dad, and as soon as he hits him, the dad spins around and grabs him and says, Billy, why are you bothering me? And the little boy's face crumbles and he starts crying and he goes, I didn't come to bother. I came to love. And then all of a sudden, man, the dad realizes what he's done. Change of perspective. Was the boy a bother or was the boy a blessing? God's looking at you and saying, am I a bother to you or am I a blessing? How do you see me? How do you see when I call for you to do something? The minute you hear God say, I want you to pray at all times, you go, yes, he wants to hear me at all times. When he says, I want you to praise me, do you go, oh, wow, that's incredible because no one else wants to hear me sing. And uh, uh, do you go, and, and I want you to give your treasure. And you go, yes, God, I'd love to go do that to you. Uh, do you. Do you love it? When Pam finally drops a hint that I get, because I don't always get them, then it's exciting to me because now I know what to do to bless her. And God's telling you this blesses me, and we got to see it the right way. Uh, a lot of you know this, but, but how you look at it is really interesting. Do you look at it as, you know what, everything I have is God's, and he lets me keep 90%. Or do you look at it as everything's mine, and God wants my 10%. 
by the way, which one's the right perspective? And, and hopefully we have the right eye and we see this correctly. That's what Jesus wants us to do. And he warns us not to have a different view. As a matter of fact, it's interesting that only twice does Jesus condemn anybody to hell. And both times it was over how they handled their finances. And one of those places is in Luke chapter 12, verse 15, where it says, Then Jesus said to them, Beware and be on your guard against every form of greed. For not even when one has an abundance does his life consist of his possessions. And he told them a parable saying, The land of a very rich man was very productive. And he began reasoning to himself and saying, What shall I do since I have no place to store my crops? And then he said, This is what I will do. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store my grain and all my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have many goods laid up for many years to come. Take your ease. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said, But God said, You fool. This very night your soul is required of you. Now who will hound what you have prepared? And Jesus said these words, So is the man who treasures for himself and is not rich towards God. Now, now the Lord loves us too much to let us live a life that's less than, that's, that's actually cursed. And he's saying, you will never have the kind of thing you can have if you don't live this way, if you aren't that kind of person, if you're not going to be rich towards God. I don't know if you heard about the guy one time that brought his family to church. He kind of begrudgingly came, and he didn't really want to be here anyway, and he got here, and, and it was a, a sermon again like this one on giving. And he thought, oh, great. So they go out and get in the car, and his wife could tell he was all upset. His kids are sitting in the back. They're all tense. He gets in the car mad. He goes, I can't believe I went to this church today. He goes, first of all, the music was too loud. And the people on stage were dressed horrible. And I couldn't hear the words. I couldn't see the words on the screen. And that pastor's voice was irritating. And then oh, he just went on and on and on and on. He never stopped talking. He goes, I can't believe that. And find the little boy in the back seat goes, but dad, dad. He goes, what? He goes, dad, what would you expect for a dollar? <laughs> yeah. Some of you are going, did you quote me? Anyway, uh, Matthew 6, 24. No one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. I got to tell you, I've been a pastor a long time. I already know some of you are going to walk out of here going, I hate it when he does this and talks about this. By the way, notice we've just been going through Sermon on the Mount. But I also know this. When you are devoted to God, that's not how you walk out of here. Matter of fact, it'll happen today. I already know there's some of you who are going to come up going, praise God you talked about this, Chuck. Thank you for doing it. It's blessed my life. I want others to know it. I always get overwhelmed. I always get about 10 emails like that to everyone I get this the other way. But, but let me tell you, that's why, because those who are devoted to God and he's their master, they, they love him. They're devoted. Those whose God is money, they despise moments like this because they, they don't want to do it. And, and by the way, I already know this. I promise you, I know it. You're not being truly blessed. You might say, oh, yes, I am. You have no idea what your life would be like if you put God first. You have a, no idea how good it would be. You have no idea the amazing way God would work and the prayers that we'd be answered and the way he would move if you had the attitude, your kingdom come, your will be done as my priority in life. Not my will, but your will be done. If you had that as your attitude, you have no idea what would happen. See, the whole idea of the level four thing is level one, and some of you are this, you're asking questions. 
You're saying, is this true? Is there really a God? And, and by the way, you might have attended church a long time, even call yourself a Christian, but you, you're just saying, well, you know, but I have a lot of doubts and a lot of questions, and I still wonder. And by the way, that's not bad. We'd love that you do that either. You know, and, and we're hoping, though, that you go to level two. And in level two, what happens is where you go to what we call conversion. That's where all of a sudden, man, God comes in your life and changes your heart and everything. And you realize how real Jesus is and the Holy Spirit enters you. And now, now you're in a real relationship with him. And by the way, uh, while there might be doubt over some issues, all the other big doubts go away because you meet God and you know him personally. And, and when you enter that, it's incredible. And then you move to level three where you, you start entering in deep times of connection with God. And, and through prayer, you know you're connecting with God. In praise, just like you sense God's presence and you know it. You sense God leading and guiding your life. You're in that connection stage. But level four is not an issue of years of work. It's just an attitude. Level four is that attitude of your kingdom come, your will be done. And where you say, you know what, not my will be done, Lord, but your will be done just like Jesus did. And when you do this, this is the greatest life you could ever live. And I want to promise you that. This is the incredible life. This is the life where you live it with God, trusting in him with all your heart, leaning not on your own understanding. He will then guide you in your life. He refreshes you in your life. He invigorates you in your life. And then you say, Lord, I honor you for my wealth and the first of my produce. And God says, then I'm going to pour more blessing back into you. Jesus said some interesting words, and most of you can probably quote them by heart. It's found in Acts chapter 20, verse 35. He said, it is more blessed to give than receive. Now, by the way, you know what Jesus is saying to you? He said, I I've got, a, I got some doors up here. First door is, if you'd like to go through this, you can. And just to get my love, and I want to give you my love, and, and go through that door and get loved. And by the way, that's a great place to be. He goes, but there's a better one. He goes, this is the door of blessing. And if you want the blessings of God, then you know what? Put yourself in his hands and, and, and start being his and, and go through that door. But did you catch this? There's a third one. There's the more blessed door. I want to ask you a question. You want to be blessed or more blessed? No, seriously, think about it. Do you want to have the blessing of God or more? So much so that you're like, whoa. And Jesus said this, to get more blessing, you have to what? You have to give. It's not about receiving. You have to say, I'm the slave who comes in, and Lord, just tell me what to do, and I'll do it. You have to say, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth. Yeah, and I, that's what I want. And this is about an all-out commitment. Now, I want to tell you today that, that if you today are not living that life totally committed to God, I'm going to ask you to do something. I'm going to ask you to make a commitment to do it. I'm going to ask you to say to God, you know what, that's who I want to be. Now, some of you, this may be your very first time to do it. And, and, and you've never, ever come to the Lord. I want to tell you he loves you and he cares about you. But I want to tell you how glad I am for you to hear this message today. I want you to know we're not trying to hide everything, anything from you. It's not like we get you to make a decision and, go, and then tell you, oh, but you got to. Let me just tell you what it is. It's everything. It's saying to God, I literally want to be yours completely. I, I want to carefully obey. I, I want, and I want to live with you and for you. And, and by the way, how do you enter that relationship? What you do is you pray it. And you say, God, I want it. And in a moment, I'm going to go to a time of prayer. And if you would like to have that kind of a relationship with God. And by the way, it's not about being religious. It's moving into the situation here and saying, I want a very real relationship. I want to know you. I want to know your love. I want your forgiveness. I want this. So here's my question. Do you really, truly know him? As your dad, in a loving, intimate, vibrant relationship where it's very real. 
Do you know him that way? And if you don't, Jesus said, well, open up to me. I stand at the door and I knock. If you open up, I'll, I'll, I'll come, I'll take you. So today, if you want to say yes to him, I'm going to ask you to really think about it. And in a moment, to pray a prayer with me right where you're sitting, where you could tell him you want it. Today, if you're somebody who uh, at one time was, was walking with Christ, but you know today you're not close to him, I'm going to tell you he loves you. He loves you. He wants you back. He wants you to be his. And so I'm going to ask you today, you know what the Lord would have, he would love for you to open up. By the way, those words, behold, I stand at the door and I knock, was said to a church. He said, if you would open up to me, oh, and so if you're here today and you used at one time to be close to God, then I'm going to ask you to pray that prayer too. Today, if you're here and you go, you know, I, I've been attending and I do pray, and, but I've been holding back. I'm going to ask you today to say some incredibly daring words. I'm going to ask you to say to God, no more holding back. I, 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 I just, I want to confess I have been. I want to tell you the truth. You already know it, Lord, my Father. But now I, I want to really be all in. I want that. I want total commitment. I want to do your will. I want your kingdom to come. I want your will. And when you say those words and mean it, a book in the book of remembrance, your name's going down because he knows you and he'll help you. So I want to ask you today, if you need to say yes to God for the first time, or if you need to recommit, or you need to just say no holding back, I'm going to ask you in this moment, let's just pray this prayer. Let's go to God right now. Father, I ask right now that you would just make your presence so known. We know you're here. We know you love us. We know you would never leave or forsake us. And so our father, our dad, I ask right now that you would just really, really begin to touch every one of us and we could sense you. And I pray you'd speak to our hearts. For those, Lord, who are just so committed and, and, and probably are sitting here wishing they could do more, I pray, God, you would just speak words of love and comfort. They would just sense something happening in peace. God, for anyone here today who, who needs to come to you, I ask, oh Lord, that you would begin to stir in their heart and then they could sense you. And this would be their time and something inside would say they're going to do this. And it's about to change. I know that there might be someone's heart right now that's starting to beat faster and they realize this is for them. It's, it's starting to almost make them want to stand up because they can't, it's happening and, and this is going to be their moment. And Lord, how exciting it is, how incredible it is they're about to be yours. And God, I pray for the person who's sitting here today that needs to come back. They want, I, there's someone who just wants right now, they just want to have what they used to have. They know it. And, and God, they can have it. I, I pray that they would let go of the doubt. I pray they would let go of thinking they just can never have it again. God, I pray they would know it's about to come. And, and a life is a waiting for them. It's incredible. And so, Lord, I pray for them right now because I know they're struggling and I know they're wanting it. And I believe right now they're almost ready to cry, but this is their moment with you. And Lord, I pray that we would, as a church family, be just so committed to you and committed to love and committed to living the life we should. Please stir in our hearts right now. Please stir in our hearts right now. Right now, I'm going to lead a prayer. And if you're right with God, would you pray for anybody who needs to make this commitment? But I'm going to lead that prayer where you either can commit to him or recommit or just say, you know, no holding back. 
So I want to ask a question. Are you ready to pray that prayer with me? And today, if you're sitting here thinking, I want it, but I don't know if I should, you, you know, I, I just want to beg you to do it because I know God loves you. I know he loves you. So right now, just if you, he loves you, and if you are ready to enter in this amazing relationship into a new life that's incredible, pray this prayer with me. Say these words. Say, Lord Jesus, I know you love me. And I know you died on the cross to forgive me of my sins, to heal me of my hurts, to free me from my fear, to make me alive, to make me new, and to make me yours. And I say yes. I want this. And I want you. And I open my heart to you. Please fill me with your love and fill me with your spirit. And help me be who you created me to be. And help me live the life you have for me to live. And this I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And if you prayed that prayer, praise God for you today.